What's up, everybody? This is Majet from Diva Girl Tribe, and you're listening to the Diva Girl Radio Podcast, the show that connects, supports, educates, and empowers people who want fun, unique, and diverse experiences in their lives and businesses. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here. You could have been somewhere else doing something else, but you are here tuning in. So thank you. I'm super duper excited to welcome our fabulous guest today. Our guest is Sarah Zero. She is the founder of Wellstruck, where she facilitates genuine connections between entrepreneurs who are redefining success, leading with empathy and experimenting with more equitable practices so that they can run their businesses and lives more collaboratively, confidently, and joyfully. Sarah lives in Delaware with her partner and pup. Lately, she's enjoying weekly quizzo with Team Mom Jeans. <laughs> um, and you know, her neighborhood pottery class, she does that as well, and her cozy new slip- slippers. Hmm. <laughs> so, um, one of the one of the thing about Sarah is, is important is Sarah's an ovarian cancer survivor. Right now, she's five years cancer free. So, Sarah, thank you for being here. Oh my gosh, Majet, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for having me and greeting me with the energy that you always show up with. Um, it's contagious in the best way. Oh. I thank you all. Um, Sarah, you are one of the community leaders that I admire and I follow. Um, it is true that you do lead with equity and very, like, you know, like, um, like mindful, right? In a way that, um, that uh, you know, leaders tend to be very assertive and very like, go, go, go. But with you, I can see that you're more of like, not laid back, but more of like, let me just pause, think about this, and then let me go ahead, like, you know, reflect all this and then go ahead and move on. Like, it's it's just the vibe that you bring in and the way I watch you and the, what you put out there. There's so much empathy, sincerity, and also like that mindfulness around it. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> wow, I, I'm speechless. Like, that means so much to me that... Um that that's the way I'm perceived because uh, it, you know, setting out to be a leader makes me nervous. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't view myself as an expert or at least not an expert in, in, in all things. And I think so much of where my success in leadership has come is because I, I'm so I'm I'm curious and I know that I don't know. <laughs> I know that there's so much that I don't know. And so I just want to learn from other people. And um so thank you for that. <laughs> grounded. That's the word. Grounded. Yeah. Like um cool. it's such groundness in you. Like you're grounded, right? Um, I'll, and I'll take that. Thank you. Yeah, like it's rare, you know, like um, in leaders, I think it's rare. Um, I've met a lot of amazing leaders. Um, they have many different qualities, but then a leader who's grounded, right? It's just, it's. I, I think it's rare. So um, just watching you and meeting you, it is an honor for you to, you know, to say yes to this, for me to have you here um, and, and to have this conversation with you. So thank you. Yeah. Back at you. Uh, wow. <laughs> what a way to start. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you with all this amazing things, right? Um, uh, you know, like for our audience, like, you know, like um, they want to know more about you. They want to know your journey. Um, they, they want to know how you became an entrepreneur, how you became a leader of Wellstruck, um, and how cancer played into that. So tell us the story. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, there's so many different versions of the story. And so I'm telling this one a little bit differently than I normally do, since I know one of our big focuses today is is talking about my cancer story and my cancer background um, to give it some context, because I think a lot of people who do know me know me as the founder of Wellstruck, um, this community for empathy-driven entrepreneurs. Um, and I didn't even realize it until 
you um, invited me to be on this podcast and to be a speaker at the VCon um, that I actually haven't talked about it publicly in a while. I talked about it so much when it happened five years ago and I was an open book, but as soon as I started sharing that I was going to be on this panel, people started saying, I didn't know. I didn't know that you had cancer, that you were a survivor. So um, gosh, it's it's about darn time I talk about it again because it's so necessary to talk about. It. So thank you for giving me this space to do that. Um, so I think to give a little context, I first started my business full-time working for myself in 2013. Um, my background is in branding. I was a graphic designer. Brand strategy is like my everything. I think I my passion for branding grew because I empathy is such a big part of who I am. Um, and and listening to people and hearing what they need and helping solve problems or draw connections in ways that will either help them um, overcome a challenge or um, make their lives better in some way. I, that's how I used branding and tapped into branding is to um, listen to what my clients were doing and what problems they solved and then really understanding them and their motivation. So that takes empathy and then also understanding the people they're trying to reach and connect with and how they serve them and what those people, their clients are feeling in the moment when they need that help, when they need whatever it is my branding client is offering. So it all starts, it all started with empathy. And I think that's so much the root and the motivator but behind who I am. So I, I set out on my own full-time in 2013 and, um, you know, you feel all kinds of emotions. It's scary when you first start your business and, you know, you're met with like people who say things like, oh, like, wow, you're brave. And it's like, oh, shoot, like, should I not be doing this? Is this is this like nuts? And you're second guessing yourself and you start overthinking. And it, if you're in the creative industry or really any industry, like, man, you as soon as you start working by yourself or in a silo, I was working out of my home office, you quickly find that it can get very lonely. And when you're not in community, you're not bouncing ideas around with anybody, you can overthink, you can start to think your ideas are bad, you know, you're your own worst critic, you can spin yourself in circles. So um, I quickly found that I was lonely and I needed some kind of connection. So I tried networking events, I tried a co-working space, but I felt that those were typically very transactional. Um, they were more about selling to each other. It was more surface level. And, you know, I looked into it, did a little bit of research and like, that's the traditional form of networking. And a big reason for that is because, and this is a stereotype, but it's a stereotype because they're statistically truths about it is that men were, you know, men are programmed to network more that way, the more transactional way. What can I do for you? What can you do for me? Like, let's get straight to the point and do the business. Um, whereas women tend to, again, I'm generalizing, you know, gender is a construct, but, um, and uh, this is also true, that like women thrive on connection and crave connection. And um, that's when women feel like they can be open and honest and connect with each other on a deeper level, there's trust there. And when there's trust there, we're more likely to, do business with each other um, and um, enjoy it all more because connection and friendship is huge. So um, I tried these networking events. They weren't right for me. I tried to find what I was looking for. I couldn't. And so I decided to try something by hosting an event at my own living dining room table. And people who've been to any of my events have probably heard the story. So I'm going over it quickly. But um, I designed it to be the opposite of a networking event. I wanted to form community. And so instead of having it be, you know, a 50 person happy hour, instead it was like an afternoon intimate six people around my dining room table. I asked everybody to introduce themselves, not just with their elevator pitch, but to tell me a little bit about who, how they got to where they are and why they do what they do. And then we divided the rest of the time up. So everybody got to ask a question um, about something they're struggling with or a roadblock they've hit or something they need help with. And the magic in that is rather than being salesy, we were opening ourselves up and sharing vulnerably 
in a way that inspired real connection. It inspired people to help each other and validate and say, um, you know, ask clarifying questions if they needed to and just be there for support. And then when appropriate, if you had expertise around a certain area that somebody had, was struggling with, you could chime in and say, have you tried this? Or this is what has worked for me. And it's gentle, not you should be doing this, not a prescriptive like advice giving way. Um, so it was magic. It was beautiful. It The format worked beautifully. I didn't even fully know what I was doing as I was creating it. I didn't know that this was like a recipe for, for vulnerability and and trust, of course, I've learned a lot since then from people like Brene Brown and Priya Parker and all these community experts who talk about vulnerability and the magic of it. Um, so anyway, I created this formula and people started asking for more. So I started offering it monthly um, and they started selling out. I, you know, over the span of five years, this was a passion project um, on the side while I was running my brand business. Um over 500 entrepreneurs over the span of five years attended these just 12 people at a time. And I found myself often saying like, this is really my favorite two hours of the month. I love this. If this was a business model, like if this, if I felt like this could be a viable business model and I could actually make a living off this, this is what I would do. And I still loved branding, but it was causing me stress. So that was 2013. And then of course, like 2015, 2016 election comes and start thinking more about my values and what matters. And I did some of my own personal awakening as a um, cis white woman who had a lot of privilege, but wasn't necessarily conscious of my unconscious bias and just started thinking about more about my values and what I wanted to do with my life and what success really means to me and um, just thinking more deeply about it, but still hadn't quite figured out, you know, it, it's an ongoing practice. It's a long, it's a long journey. So started being more conscious of that with what I was doing at the round tables, but wasn't ready to pivot my business yet. So then <laughs> record scratch, 2018 hits and um, I long story short, was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Um, and we can dive into that more, but to give the big picture, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Um, I was very fortunate that in the long run, it turned out to be a rare form that was slow growing, even though it had spread a fair amount. Um, it. I'll fast forward to the good part, which is, I was out for a year of treatment, getting over it. And um, I'm very fortunate that my surgery was considered curative. And five years later, here I am cancer free. So like, I want to fast forward to the good news. Naturally, during that time, I did a lot of thinking and reflection about legacy, morbidity, what impact I want to leave on this world, what, bit, what work I really want to be doing and how I could be doing the most good with the skills that I have. Um, and so I started, I, as part of my healing, I started to design a business model that was pivoting away from branding and creating this membership community so that it could be a place that, um, nourishes empathy driven entrepreneurs, provides them a home base with friends who challenge and champion each other so that when you're rethinking the way we do business, maybe in a non-traditional way that isn't purely focused on money and purely money motivated. You know, we've got to make money to survive. We live in a capitalist society. Money is important. Like we've got to be real about that. And also we can do better than we, we can practice conscious capitalism, which is a relatively new phrase I've heard. And being a business owner is hard enough on its own it's even harder when you're trying to reinvent the wheel to not only make money, but do it in a more values conscious, empathetic, um, equity driven way. And so you need support to learn how other people are doing it. What have you tried? What's working? Like what, what technique do you use for pricing or how do you create an inclusive space? Or, you know, how do you put your values into practice in sharing those or, 
Is there an accountant that you work with that shares these sort of values? Or is there a class you've taken about marketing with empathy? And this is the kind of stuff we talk about in the community alongside just simply being there for each other through the mental and emotional ups and downs and validating each other's feelings like that this can be hard and it's okay to feel this range of emotions. And basically to, you know, smooth out the jaggy ups and downs of business um, and, and have friends and more joy while you're doing it. So that's my business now. It's a membership community. I also host events and masterminds. Um, and that is a peek into how cancer played a role and started to influence the decision to make this pivot. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that story, right? And how um, there's so many things that I wrote down and highlighted, um, you know, from your business to like your journey um, with cancer. And it's okay to talk about the, the hard part, that, that, that is part of the cancer journey. And then and how that, you know, the post-traumatic growth part, right? Like uh, right in, you know, you started thinking, reflecting about the legacy that you want to you know, leave behind just in case it's a threat to you, right? Like cancer is a threat that just shocks your system. I mean, just like, okay, this is the, you know, like this is a horrible experience to have, but but I get this chance to to still live and, and continue my life and, you know, and 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 get the cure or the treatment. Um, and now I ha I get the second chance. Like how can I continue, you know, living and fulfilling and 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 how can I value life more? Like I love that story of the the reflection part. That you shared, right? Um, and uh, and yes, it, it, you're here. You're sharing your story, so it is a um, a, a, a nice ending, right? But your story does that, right? Like it's a, right. like cancer story. Like it's a it's a nice um, ending to the story for that story. Um, but I also wanted to talk about that um, the non traditional way that you're running your groups. Right, a networking group, yeah. and networking is the word that some people are all all for it, and it's also a word that that repels a lot of you know a lot of people as well, uh, whether business owners or not. Um, and how your group, Wellstrop, is not traditional in a way that you're needing with um, you know people are coming into the spaces that you're creating with empathy and um, and leading with. Um, uh, wanting to connect and relationship, right? More on the relationship. How can I build connection? How can I build relationship? Uh, can I, you know, like um, um, show up as a, a person who can um, bring value, right? To like, mm -hmm. instead of like, who am I going to target? Who am I going to sell to? What can I do for you? And, and yes, you're right. It is part of being a business owner, but then that comes like five or six steps. Right, like it's like right, like or it's a right, right, or it's a complementary step too. Like right. you might yeah. need, you might need more traditional networking, and you need community. And I, it took me a while to realize, like what I needed so much was more the community than the networking at that time. And then the beautiful byproduct is when you really invest in community and those relationships. Absolutely, it turns into a return on your investment in terms of financial because. It turns into referrals and connecting people and sharing your story more and how can we collaborate together and you grow your audience like all that stuff absolutely comes i just don't always lead with that because right. i think you gotta start with the community part i love that you don't want to lead with that but you start well you lead with the community part and that i think um we need more spaces like that right and now and 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 you know with, with Diva Girl, that's that's what I want as well. Like that's what I've been creating and curating with our events. And you know, you've been to us to our events before. And you know, and and that uh, diversity and inclusion, and you know, and um, it's 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 like in the forefront. Yeah. Well, it's clear you're a pro at that. Like you are the leader. You are the the person I look up to for that because your community is so richly diverse and so clearly focused on community, true community, not buzzword community in the yeah. sense of like real, real connection. So um, I'm so happy to, to be, be become your friend. 
Yeah, but then you also talk about like how you're learning still, right? Like 2016 happened, you know, the election and then, you know, and the uprising 2020 and, and all that stuff that happened, trauma that we call all collectively shared, right? And it's like, um, and how, you know, like you reflect like more on who you are as a cisgender white female, right? And it's like, um, and like, and I think that part of just pausing and reflecting on it, right? Reflecting on what we know and what we don't know and what we need to learn from. Like, um, it's a beautiful characteristic of a leader to have, right? Um, so I applaud you for that. And I and I resonate with that too, because I myself don't know everything. Like I'm, I'm a, a cis brown woman, right? An immigrant. However, there are still communities out there that, you know, I don't know a lot about, right? Um, so I think through learning, like what you're saying, educating, reflecting, right, ourselves and, you know, and, and, and sharing that with the people in our community um, is, is really important. Yeah, yeah. And and more reason for it and why it's so important to me is like my number one value is that joy should be accessible to all. And let's be real, when we look back at why people start their businesses, for a long time, you know, I thought, oh, people start their businesses because they're rebels and they want to and they've always wanted to start a business. No, 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 no. You know, like for a while now, the fastest growing demographic in terms of entrepreneurs is women of color. And when you look into the research behind why, a lot of it is because women of color are not valued, are not paid fairly, are not respected, are not made to feel safe and worse yet, and probably most common is actually discriminated against in the workplace to the point where they have to leave in order to have a more joyful life and not just more joyful, but safe and continue their life in a way that they can actually live it. And so I really believe that to succeed in entrepreneurship, you need mentors or guides or community in the form of peer mentorship, you need that. Though when we're in those places, a lot of times um, having a coach or a mentor is not financially accessible. But what is more financially accessible is a community, like a group style, like being there for each other. And so that's all the more reason why Wellstruck and my mission is so important to me is because I believe that we all deserve access to joy and to have access to joy, we need to be able to make money in a way, in a place that feels safe mm -hmm. to do so. And if we're going to find success in our businesses, we need this kind of support in order to make success happen and to achieve success, in order to survive beyond a year and survive beyond five years and not just survive, but make money to thrive and hopefully start to build generational wealth for those who follow you, because it's about damn time that we have that for people who don't look like me. <laughs> so powerful, so powerful. I love that. Um, we all deserve access to joy and uh, how joy is, you know, um, where you feel safe, supported, where you can thrive. And as a business owner, or even not, like, generate generational wealth right so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it means just so much to me um yeah so it's just huge motivation in what i do i appreciate the work that you're doing and creating spaces and communities like that ah oh, back at you <laughs> <laughs> so i uh, was speaking of communities right so we're like when this podcast airs, like our our wellness conference, which is focused on womb health, womb wellness, um, had happened already. However, um, I want to talk a little bit more of that, right? So you're going to be in our womb panel. Yeah. Right? Um, and this is a space where you're going to be sharing a stage with other um, individuals. And uh, you would like to share, right, your experience as an ovarian cancer survivor, Um and uh, going through surgical menopause and that yeah. means um, i'm not very familiar with that but like it's you know it, and your life without estrogen your ovaries and uterus right and um so so tell us tell me more about that part 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I mentioned in 2018, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. I was 33. It did not run in my family. It came out of nowhere. And so the first thing many people ask me is, well, how did you know or how did you get diagnosed? And first I want to preface that I'm very lucky um, because with ovarian cancer and so many um, women's re reproductive health cancers, <laughs> I'm sure I didn't say that right, but you get the gist. Um, the symptoms are invisible and, and that's why it goes undiagnosed. It's hard to um, get scans of that area of your body because everything's stacked on top of itself. Um, and so things like this go undiagnosed and they also go undiagnosed because as women were taught from a young age that, oh, um, like menstrual pain and, um, you know, abdominal pain is just part of being a woman. And like some of us have it worse than others. Some of us like, you know, have debilitating weeks out of the month. Some of us, you know, it, but that's just part of it. Right. And so when we're taught that we're taught to ignore those symptoms. Um, and it's really hard to trust yourself when something doesn't feel right. And maybe like, I don't even know to this day, like the symptoms that I felt, if they were actually symptoms as a result of my cancer, or I just happened to have these cancer, these symptoms, and then was very fortunate to have followed up on them and then found out that I had cancer. So what it looked like for me is, um, and it's the, you know, the, as you call the conference, we're talking about taboo women's health topics because it's not pretty stuff to talk about. It's like, oh yeah, I had digestive issues. I would flip back and forth between being constipated and having diarrhea. And yes, we're ripping the bandaid off because this is the kind of stuff we need to talk about. I felt like, I felt like I couldn't feel normal. I feel like since age 18, I've always had really bad menstrual cramps. I've had periods of my life where like, um, my period lasted for like a month and didn't go away. And it's like, I go to the OBGYN and they're just, you know, we ask the questions. Oh, it's probably fairly normal. It's probably just stress. We just chalk it up to that and move along. Like here's some ibuprofen. And like, you know, if the ibuprofen worked and the next week I was feeling better, okay. Like maybe that's just what it was. Maybe I'm just one of those women who like has a hard time that, you know, with, with my cycle. Um, but in January, February uh, 2018, these symptoms started to seem more frequent. Um, it was bothering me. I was urinating more often. Um, but it was, again, easy to write it off. But I, I, was, I told my husband about it. And, you know, thank goodness for him. Because as he hears me talk about it, I'm just griping about it. I wasn't really looking for, like, solutions. He's like, I really think you need to get this checked out. I'm like, I don't know. Like, all these things can be explained away. I'm drinking more tea. Da, 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 da. It's like, it's so easy. Um, and he's like, well, why don't you just, like, just just go, just like call, call the doctor. And, you know, of course I like got on WebMD or whatever at the time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like these could be, these could be bigger symptoms. And that's, <laughs> I don't want to advocate that as a practice because that can be a dangerous rabbit hole. But, um, so I just, I called the doc, I called my OBGYN's office and I said, you know, I'm having these issues. It's been more recently. I have some of this cramping, like I have some of this pain. Um, can I just come in for an exam or what should I do? And um, there's such a busy office that the woman at the front desk said, you know what? Um, so that actually sounds like gastro issues. So um, we can't do an appointment for you for that. And um, we couldn't get you in for six months. Um, so we could talk about that at your next regular exam. Um, but, you know, if it continues to bother you, just go like talk to, it sounds like you need to talk to a gastroenterologist or your um, PCP. Wait, this is on the phone? Yeah. But he didn't even, yeah. Mm. Okay. So no, I didn't get to talk to a doctor. Yeah. Didn't get to a doctor, didn't get to a nurse. The front desk, they're so busy, I guess, at this place that like they have to be like gatekeepers but literally, and I don't know, I don't think I had maybe looked up the symptoms of ovarian cancer yet. But like when I looked back later, that's what it was. I looked back later and I was like, I literally read the list 
like without having read the list on WebMD, when I was on the phone with that person at the office, without knowing it, I literally read the list of symptoms that were like the earliest signs of ovarian cancer and she turned me away. Wow. Oh, 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 that's so sad. So, well, and I didn't know it at the time. I was like, okay, like maybe she's right. Like maybe like, you know, like they're the experts, right? So I called my PCP because I needed a referral to the gastroenterologist and she hears my symptoms and thank goodness she was like, okay, we're going to get you in for um, an ultrasound, a transvaginal ultrasound like tomorrow. Okay. Go do this tomorrow. And so um, getting graphic again for anybody who's squeamish, but I think if you're listening at this point, I don't need to worry about that. Um, if you've ever had a transvaginal ultrasound, you may remember you're supposed to drink 64 ounces of water beforehand. So I drank the 64 ounces of water and you have to drink it like an hour beforehand. And the purpose is like you're trying to like fill up your bladder so that all of your organs are pushed to the front of your body. So, or, or I don't know the science of it, but it's, it's so that they can get a better scan or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> very scientific. I've, I've had it done. Yeah. 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 And it's, right. it's well, um, around right. drinking all that water, but yeah, I think that is the reason why they ask us to drink so that it will push all the organs and, and see clearer picture of what exactly. it is or whatever it is they're looking for. Good. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, didn't think a whole lot of it. I drive myself to the center. And when I go to get out of my car, I'm like doubled over in pain, like crampy, totally doubled over, like couldn't stand up pain. I'm like, what do I do? I'm in the parking lot at this. Like I didn't go with a like I didn't go with my husband because it's like the middle of the day and I didn't think anything serious was wrong. Like it's just like, whatever. And so I like hobbled in. Probably should have like called 911 or gotten help, but I like hobbled into the front desk and they're like, are you okay? And like, no, they get me right upstairs. They get me in for the ultrasound. I mean, <laughs> they're like, if you're in that much pain, like, <laughs> like you can go pee a little bit. It's okay. <laughs> that helps a little. I go and get the ultrasound and they're like, you know, she takes a long time, but they can't tell you, you know, the the person doing the scan can't tell you anything, but you know, afterwards you go and you can empty yourself out and immediately like I feel a lot better so I was like okay that was weird and they're like we'll give you the results in two to three days well in two to three days we find out that I have a ovarian cyst the size of a baseball but I find out that my my pain has gone away and it hasn't been back for three days because there's no longer that pressure on it but it's like okay you know everything is explained you had pressure this is why it was painful like if the pain comes back you want to go straight to the emergency room in case like you want to avoid like an ovarian like a uh, torsion like twist so if that gets really like immediately go if the pain comes back i was like okay and they're like they explain like ovarian cysts are actually very normal when i told a few friends about it too like it's actually like ovarian cysts can be just part of your cycle that's how it works like i'm not going to get into the it, the the nitty-gritty of that is like it it actually is normal and okay and like part of it. Most of us have ovarian cysts and don't know it. They will like swell during certain times of the month and then go back down. So for most people, it's not an issue, but for some people they can like cause pressure and cause pain. And if they keep coming back and they, or they don't go away, like that's when you have a cystectomy and get it removed. Turns out those are actually super common. Women don't talk about it a lot, but as soon as I said that I was going to be getting one, so many women come out of the woodwork and are like, I had that done too. Like, oh yeah, it's a quick, easy, like laparoscopic surgery, outpatient surgery, you're just there for a few hours, like, but women don't talk about it. It's one of those things. It's like, you just call in sick for a few days at work and don't tell anybody about it. Um, so let's see, I'm going to try and skip over some of the details here, but um, I, I ended up, the pain ended up coming back. So I ended up having the laparoscopic surgery and when they were doing that is when they found the cancer. Um, in the and in between, I had, had a CT scan and I had the oncologist look at that and they were like, we think it's just fibroids. It doesn't look like cancer. So again, I was told by an oncologist this time, don't think it's cancer. <clears throat> Fortunately, when the pain came back, I went in for the surgery and they found out it was cancer. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> people ask about the moment I found out I had cancer and um, like, how, like, what was that like? And I was like, well, I was on morphine, so... <laughs> 
it's it sounds like it's this weird dark humor but like my doctor told me and i started laughing and my husband's like i don't know what to do with you she's like we should get everybody on morphine before we tell (laughs) um wow so uh i feel like fortunate that that's how i found out um my response was like to comfort everybody else i was like we got this don't worry it'll be okay um and then had time to like slowly sober up to what was actually happening but um Ended up getting another opinion. We got the diagnosis. They took the biopsy. It turned out to be a rare form that was fortunately slow growing cancer. Um, This was like all through the spring of 2018. And then um, let's see. So then I had a, they said this type of cancer is curable through surgery. We don't know. Oh, excuse me. No problem. We don't know like how bad it is or whatever until we're in there. Um, and so uh, May 23rd, 2018, I had my surgery that was a bilateral salpingo-oophorectomy, which means both o- both ovaries, fallopian tubes, your omentum, which is the fat apron, they call it. It like protects all of your, your, your organs down there. But anyway, you move my omentum and my cervix and my uterus, which means, and they told me like, okay, this will put you straight into surgical menopause because you will be completely like once your ovaries are gone, like no, no estrogen whatsoever. And it just so happened that my cancer tested positive for estrogen receptors or I might have the language slightly mixed up, but meaning that like essentially my cancer is fueled by estrogen. So I won't be able to take hormonal supplements because the whole point is we're getting rid of ovaries. So I don't have the estrogen. So cancer doesn't come back. So, um, wow. I hope this isn't too much detail. very educational yeah 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 and it's like i don't want to share the story in a way that's going to scare people because this is a very rare situation for me but if any part of it can resonate the thing that i most want people to know is just listen to your body and like if you have the privilege of having access to health care which i do thankfully and I recognize my privilege. And I also recognize my privilege as a white woman, woman, so that I'm I'm more likely to be taken more seriously at the doctor's office, even though I was turned away. So what does that say about people who are, um, you know, women of color who, as we know, are discriminated against in, in the healthcare world? Um, it's hard to wrap your brain around, um, but uh, yeah, so I'm I'm very lucky, you know, that wasn't the end of it. <laughs> it was a long year of recovery and lots of complications, but I consider that surgery date to be my five-year marker. So um, by the time the podcast airs, I will officially have been five years cancer-free, um, which is big in the cancer world because that's when, like, I don't have to get tested all the time for it, which is both scary and good. <laughs> um yeah, so uh, let's see. I'm going to pause because I know you asked me other parts of the story too, but I also want to be conscious of time. So, um, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, like this, this, um, the, the terminologies that you're using, right? And the, the, the sharing of the story of you finding out and what the signs and symptoms that you're having and how you push through, right? Like, it's so easy for us, especially for women, like we're, we're, we're so tired or we're so busy that, you know, we put ourselves last or second or later right and it's like okay well i can manage this you know until we're like doubled over with pain yeah and you know and okay fine i guess we i have to go to the doctor right but it's like the 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 um the lesson that i'm getting from this right it's like um really truly advocating for yourself right and and pushing through and, and you know and not stopping from um because at the end of the day, doctors, medical professionals are working for us, right? Yeah, yeah. And so therefore, we need to ask, right? And we need to, you know, like, um, ask for what we need, ask questions, ask for support, and, you know, and, and that, because that is their job. Yeah. Not just to treat the illness, but to take care of their patients, Yeah. Right? And, and, you know, and that is what I'm, you know, as I'm listening to you, like, um, you know, like, uh, it's, it's, that's it, what's coming up for me. And like, it's, it's really awesome. And I'm sure it, it's probably 
probably not easy for you too to just like you know to question right like i mean you you talk to that person on the phone and you're like okay i'll go to my gastro right good thing your gastro was like oh you know what that's not gastro let's do more tests right, right. it's like yeah, it's it's so easy for us to trust medical professionals, and that's okay, right? I'm I'm not saying distrust medical professionals, but like yeah, listening to your body, and you said that listening to your body, advocating for your body, and really vocalizing or asking for support, or getting a second opinion, um, and you know, and this this are important stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, and you mentioning too, like you know, for you as a as a white woman, like you know, and and having this type of experience and you thinking about, you know, people, women of color and how they are being treated too. If you had experienced this, you know, people of color, women of color probably have experienced worse. Um, but uh, so I appreciate, I appreciate, you know, you sharing the story, sharing the, um, the experience and the steps that you had to take. Uh, um, and I, I wish we do have more time, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but we're going to hear more about this at, you know, um, or we've heard more about this. <laughs> yeah, you know, the wellness conference. If you weren't there, oh, that I'm, I feel sorry for you. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. And we didn't even like dive into surgical menopause, which is a whole other thing. And it's like, oh, this is how it's affecting you for the rest of my life. It's that's a whole other chapter and story. And um, you know, it's like, you know, it's like a 30 second snippet. Of yeah. Like, how this feel like yeah yeah so um in natural menopause you gradually your your estrogen gradually wanes and it's never completely gone with surgical menopause it's like quitting a drug cold turkey so literally when i woke up from surgery like my sheets were soaked in a puddle of sweat like hot flashes immediately because you're going through like i would i understand to be a form of like withdrawal you don't have estrogen in your body and gradually your body does get a little bit more used to it but you know from what my I actually have a menopause specialist and from my understanding and what she's told me is like for me like some of that that menopause that active menopause will always be there for me because it's completely gone but she has helped me learn to manage it and so, um, and there are other effects on the body. So aside from things like the discomfort of hot flashes, but trouble sleeping or slower, slower metabolism and um, needing to think about your calcium and your bone density waning when you don't have um, the proper hormones. And um, on top of that, like, you know, it's, it's not great for your heart. And so like when they do this, I think there's a misconception that people say like, oh, well, like, it's it's always worse to not go on hormone replacement therapy. Like, and so there are some people out there who say like, no matter what, you should be on hormone replacement therapy. But the reality is sometimes in health, unfortunately, you have to weigh the lesser of two evils. And so in my case, and when your cancer is fueled by estrogen, you cannot, you cannot take estrogen if you don't want the cancer to come back. And so that's, a lesser evil than the effects of not having estrogen on your body for the other good that it does for your body. I think I said that in a convoluted way, but I got there. Um, and so, you know, I have to take special care and, and monitor my bone density and monitor my calcium intake and monitor my like cardiovascular health and, and take those things seriously and prioritize those, which is yet another reason why I think it's important to reframe the kind of work that you do so that you can live a life where you're taking care of your health, which is another reason I pivoted my business. That's a whole other chapter. But um, yeah, so it's a lifelong thing that I'm dealing with. It's like almost like a chronic illness in a lot of ways. Um, but so the other life lesson I've learned out of that is, ladies, we don't have to just accept, oh, menopause is awful or oh, postpartum is awful. This is just how life is. This is just women have been doing this for years and we have to suffer through it. Again, I want to preface that this is coming from a place of privilege and access to healthcare. There are healthcare professionals and experts out there who can help you with these things. And yes, there's a horrible lack of information out there about menopause, about surgical menopause, about hormones and the effect of hormones on our health. And 
if we keep talking about this and sharing what we've learned and highlighting the medical professionals who are taking the stand and researching and bringing these women's health topics to light, like my team, my oncology team at Johns Hopkins was flipping phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. They're amazing. I live in Delaware. I still drive down there for my appointments with my specialist because she's she's awesome. Unfortunately, she has a tremendously long wait list. I don't want to give medical advice. I am happy to share some of the things that are working for me with the caveat of like speak to your doctor also. Um, but there are solutions out there. We just got to keep talking about it with each other. And and that's why, you know, um, spaces like, you know, the wellness conference that's coming up and talking yeah. about this topic, it's not sexy, right? But it's very important for us to talk about. Uh, yeah. And there are women who's going to resonate and learn from this panel, right? Yeah. Uh, you're, you're on. Um, again, thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Thanks for giving me space. What is that? Thanks for giving me the space to, to share because it's not sexy. <laughs> not sexy, but it's important, right? And that's yeah. what and that's what the conference is about, right? Like um that's um and we need to talk more about this and educate people because like what have you like what you said, right? Not just accept that, you know, menopause is bad or accept that um your period pain is acceptable. Like, no, like we could stop yeah. and be like, you know, like um, no, like it that's not it. There's there's yeah. Right. And I don't know where the line is. Like, yeah, there is going to be some pain with it. And there are parts of being a woman that suck. And also, though, like, also, like, if you are talking with your friends more often and you realize your shit's way worse. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to. If if, if you realize, like, what I'm experiencing actually is not normal, that's why we have to talk about it. True. Yeah, not no shame anymore. Yeah. Right? Shame yeah. about talking about our our menstruation, our menopause, our our, our you know our vagina, our wombs. Like there's so many yeah. something yeah. we need to talk about, and people, women have died because we're not talking about it. Right? Oh yeah, a plant. Yeah, too many. Mm-hmm. Too many. So, anyways, I'm gonna digress. Yes. We have like two minutes. Uh, so, <laughs> um, I want to ask you a few rapid fire questions, and yeah. then to um, invite people to what's coming up for you, and also you know words of wisdom at the end. You can name. Yeah. So our rapid fire questions is the part where I ask you a quick question and you give us a one word answer, or one sentence answer. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So what is your biggest motivation for getting up in the morning? Good. Lately, I've been really into the ceramics class that I'm taking. I'm really into it. Like I'll get up and spend, you know, I'm fortunate to like have time to, I'll I'll spend half an hour on like whatever hand building project I'm working on. So that's just something fun. I'm trying to like build more fun into my morning so that I'm more excited to wake up and also more meetings with people in person, my community members in person, not meetings, but chit chat. <laughs> Ceramic class, not only is it fun, it's creative and get your creative juices and like your right brain, like light up. That's oh my gosh, it's totally meditative too. I'm totally yeah. in the moment. Yeah, I'm very in the yeah. moment. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, who is the famous person you would like to meet dead or alive and why? Comedian Tig Notaro. Um, so her health story is actually very similar to mine. Oh, um, yeah, and she's so funny. She's so funny. Um, Although I must say it would make me really nervous to meet her because like she has a very dry wit and I'm a very awkward person. So like, I don't know what we would, I don't know what we would talk about exactly, but I would love to go to one of her shows. So we'll start with that. <laughs> awesome. Um, I need to watch her videos and, and, and check her out. I'll send you a link. Last question. Mm-hmm. What do you love to be complimented? Well, I got to say the stuff you said at the top of the podcast was really deeply meaningful to me. Um, I like to be complimented on the fact that what I'm building is bigger than me. That's why it's so meaningful to me, like the legacy 
that's and that it's meaningful work like I just want I just want whatever I do I just I just want to leave a the world better than I found it or do the best that I can with my skills and my own superpower. And I see that one of my superpowers is actually bringing clarity to other people about their superpowers and helping them leverage in a way that's going to change the world. Um, it's, uh, yeah, the end of the podcast is the right time to say that because it feels too corny at the top of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it, it's beautiful. And you're definitely living that. Right, you're 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 showing that you're doing that. So, um, and I'm I'm uh, I'm very sincere about what I said earlier. So, thank yeah. you. Um, okay, well, <laughs> let me invite our um our, our our listeners to anything that's coming up for you or your community, and I would like to give you um the last few seconds for your parting words. So, invite us, invite our listeners, and then parting words. Yes, wonderful. Um, so as I mentioned before, Wellstruck is a community for empathy-driven entrepreneurs who crave a nourishing home base with friends that challenge and champion each other. We're based in the U.S. Mid-Atlantic. I'm in Delaware. Most of our members are in Philadelphia, Delaware, Baltimore. Um, and um, it's for entrepreneurs who who need community. And we are accepting applications on a rolling basis. So all you have to do is go to wellstruck.com and you can learn more about what's included in the membership and um, you can apply there at any time. It's a really great time to join right now. It's always a great time to join, but the people are just absolutely amazing. It's a really intimate community as well. And as for parting words, listen to your body. Your health comes first because without it, you can't do anything. Better to have answers and be proactive. I know a lot of people put off going to the doctor because they're scared of what the answers might be. But reframe that and consider that when you do have a diagnosis, you can make a plan of action and start taking care of it. And the sooner you have a diagnosis, the sooner you can start taking care of it and the better off you are. Um, I've reached a point where actually going to the doctor for me is comforting because it's where I get confirmation that I'm well. So if you can reframe and think about it that way um, and, and advocate for yourself. And I just have to shout out my husband again because I'm not sure I advocated for myself. He really advocated for me. And I literally would have left the ER if he didn't say we are not leaving this ER. So um, I do have to shout him out. That's why um, relationships and community are so important is because people will look out for you. So um, that's, that's it. <laughs> With that, thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Majette. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you at our upcoming events. Go to divagirltribe.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Diva Girl Tribe. Become a member and join our Diva Girl 411 Facebook group.